The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Many of you are shopping local, and as we get into the summer, we can finally embrace what's in season. How about this? Grill dry-aged limousine beef sirloin with locally grown garlic scape pesto and local asparagus, or pistachio-crusted salmon, which is local salmon from Superior Fresh, crusted with pistachios and served over wilted greens. How about a spring herb and vegetable pasta with asparagus, radishes, peas? It makes a super crunchy, tasty pasta side dish. And don't forget the pantry staples, like white beans, right? You can make a delicious cold bean salad with olive oil, lemon juice, fresh herbs, asparagus, sugar snap peas, and you can even toss in some leftover chicken. This time of year, one of my favorite snacks is plain yogurt with berries, farm fresh honey, and any of the granola you can find in your co-op. Lakeland's Co-op is stocked to the gills with fresh, local produce, local meats, local dairy. And if you can't shop at Lakewinds, please visit any of your other neighborhood co-ops. Lakewood's food co-ops are in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. And you can find them at lakewinds.com to set up your order. Good morning and welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And we are here for you today, friends. That's right. Last week, we We're, were... We just weren't here. Yeah, we were called <laughs> off in a situation. It was a day off. It was a situation. Yeah. We actually were called off the night before um, due to the civil unrest and concerns on University Avenue, which is where our studio is located. So many of you were like, oh my gosh. Some of you thought we were live, because it always that sounds was like we're live our when sweet, you play a replay. Our sweet, sweet Maggie sent me a note saying, it's so nice to hear you guys. I'm like, great, what are we saying? Because it was last <laughs> week, I assume. <laughs> we don't know. I have no idea what I'm telling you right now. Other weird things that have happened, just to give you a behind the scenes, because we know the My Talkers love it. So we now have a plexiglass screen between us which is interesting because yeah. i'm just realizing it makes it hard to plug in my cords oh yeah you can't sorry you're cut off yeah so all right sorry it's, yeah um how you guys doing out there okay so let's say let's just be clear about the fact that of course this is going to be a bit of a uh a show, shall we say um and i know that there's you know we know that you guys come to us to kind of escape Everything, And so we're not going to, I think, be too overtly, we're not going to be preachy, that's for sure. But you know, also, you also know that we kind of, we have opinions and we're out in the world and we hope that we can give you guys some just perspective from our, you know, point of view. And, and hopefully that's a good thing. And maybe um, Stephanie can get her, exercise her journalism desires. Oh my God. Because <laughs> you know. What even is that? Exercise my journalism desires because here I've on the weekly Because I clearly wanted to be a journalist my whole life, but now I'm citizen journalist. Let me tell Curbside you. Curbside Karen, curfew Karen Hansen. Um, you are, let me just tell you what you are as far as on the Twitter feeds, because you are Scanner Sally now, because the only Can I be Stephanie at least? Scanner no. Stephanie? No, you're Scan My middle name is Karen too, by the way. So when I say I'm curfew Curbside Karen. Oh God. The, 
I, I mean that legitimately. You are Scanner Karen then too, yeah. I was named after my Aunt Karen, who lives in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, who I've traveled with a lot. She's gone to Croatia <laughs> with me. We've traveled in France, in Spain together. And she uh, she was on the school board. She worked at a local hospital. She has been like in the community her sure. entire life. Listen, she's the person that's on like the police review board in her community. So I take my namesake Karen Listen, and my responsibilities a as a citizen seriously. There are a ton of great Karens. In fact, you know the majority are great Karens. I feel like you know we have I have all these friends who have moms named Karen who are like, <laughs> oh my mom is great, but. Um, just to be clear, you know, your scanner action on the Twitters of the night during the scary stuff was, I mean, it was just, it was just, you were citizen staff. That's what you were. I I had this like, and it was just like reporting. That's the funny thing. You were reporting. I know you You guys, I'll just be completely honest because you're weekly dishers. You're my heart. You're my like total vulnerable place. I was so scared and I was scared for St. Paul and I felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, it was just so the helicopters and the fire and the it was so visceral and real. And at that time, I kind of knew what was happening at 38th and Chicago, but I didn't exactly or 38th and Lake Street. My my mother-in-law, Dolores, who I've talked about, the 87 year old woman who treats animal bones as uh, marrow bones, the dog. You've heard me talk about her going oh, yeah. to the yep. butcher and buying the dog bones let's and eating that, them as marrow. Let's like that should not be her definer though, okay? Because <laughs> that is so specific in one tiny moment. And she's an amazing cook. Yeah, but she lives right on um, seven forty on the River Road that is on the River Road at the Ford Bridge. So she's on the sixteenth floor. She so you could see Minneapolis burning. You could see St. Paul burning. She was like right in between those two fires and reporting to me. I just I felt like there were so few resources that night. The everyone was being pulled in every direction. Eighty seven fires in one night for um, St. Paul fire. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if the, I mean it was St. Paul, Minneapolis. Yeah, there's. I mean, it was, uh, and I don't. Yeah, I, there was just a lot of. It was a lot of confusion, and I think it's hard for us to all sit and watch our cities through a screen, and be, but be in it, you know. Yeah. And I think that there's a weird disconnect and a weird, and I think that makes it even scarier in a weird way because you're watching it, and you can't do anything about it, um, and you're in it. You know, and it's just happening. And those first couple nights, we weren't really watching it, right? Like, I was. It wasn't like becoming local news. Like, the local news stations weren't breaking in in the beginning. The very first protests were not being televised, which we all thought a bunch of us in the media, you know, who aren't broadcast media, thought that was strange. Yeah. And so the only media was kind of like, we are all over this live tweeting it and trying to like throw pictures out. And we're like, we can't believe this is not on the news. And that was why I felt like people weren't getting the information about what was really happening. And I'm talking to my, you know, sister and my other people that live in the suburbs and they're like, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, um, no, I'm not okay. Are you okay? Like, are you aware of what is happening? Yeah. For five days in a row, my stepmom would call and like, are you, are you feeling better today? And obviously she's concerned. I'm like, no, not today. Not feeling better today. City's still burning. People are still losing their livelihoods, their businesses, their lives. No, not better today. Yeah, it was, it was, and it was, it was, I think 
there's so much in my mind, so much conflict of where to put your emotions in terms of I'm watching these people in pain, you know, and, and I'm watching the, and I, and I feel it. I get it. I so get it. I'm like, wow, so tired of it. And I, I'm hearing people on my Facebook saying how tired they are of, you know, promises broken and we'll do better and, you know, all this stuff. And I get that. I totally do. And then I'm watching as like I, beloved businesses of ours, you know, which I know that they're just brick and, you know, mortar and it's not human lives, but it's it's part of their lives. And that was also really hard. And then and, you know, I in the middle of one of I think it was Wednesday night, I think I said something about. I tweeted something about about Town Talk Diner because I was worried about it. And I got so many people angry at me for caring about that. And and that to me wasn't about their anger. It to me was about everybody's fear and emotions and not knowing what to do with it. And so there was lashing out and there was anger and there was, you know, sadness and fear. And it was just boiling over the entire thing. And um, what I've talked to a lot of people of, you know, some uh, a lot of, you know, Black leaders have been saying, you know, the, the energy that you that we were feeling that night, it was it's always been here and it's kind of always been ready to pop, but it never has. And it just it just exploded because it had to go somewhere because it was no longer containable. And it's not even anger. It's just energy. And um, there was a lot of talk about like being on the ground that Wednesday, Thursday night and at at uh, at the third precinct. And there is a lot of talk about, you know, some people who I know, I'm not going to name their names because I don't need to, you know, but them saying that um, it's their stories, you know, but um, they were there and they were in the protest and they could feel the different energies from the different groups. That one group, you know, was sort of uh, feeling like they were protesting. And then there was a second larger group that was really more of full of anger and and that was the one that was going to pop off Mm -hmm. that was the one as soon as the first protesters were going to disperse they were going to take over and it was that was going to be it so and then i think i think we can say it's confirmed true people coming from our city people coming from around our city people coming from inside minnesota outside minnesota what the percentages were, what the arrest records were, not interested, don't care. What I I care about is people came from wherever they came from, including our own neighbors, to destroy. And that became, that. I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you, that continual fear for six days from a neighborhood, because I live right in that neighborhood in St. Paul, I live right by the Capitol. That fear was the first time I really got in touch with what it would feel like as someone with white privilege to be in fear for your children, for your home, for your safety, day after day, day after day. Yeah. And that for me internally, and I'm just going to speak from my own self-awareness because I'm trying to look inward. That was the moment where I was like, wow, this is where I need to do the work, because if this is what this feels like all the time. This this feels terrible. Yeah. I do not want to live in a society where people are feeling like this. Exactly. Let's take a break and then let's continue this.
Hey, everybody. It's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota. And I just want to tell you how glad I am that we have a resource for farmers and food and agriculture in Minnesota. We are so lucky. It's one of the biggest things that our state is known for. And sometimes I feel like we don't get a chance to actually talk to farmers and find out what they're doing. And Common Ground, Minnesota is a, is, is a place on Facebook where you can ask questions about how your food is grown right here from local farmers. These are women who are volunteering their time to answer your questions and to engage in conversation. Plus, they'll show you cute farm pictures of their dog. I mean, what's better than that? And they post recipes. What could be better than that? Common Ground Minnesota is a resource for you guys, and it's all volunteer-led. And I just encourage everybody, if you're curious about your food and where it comes from and the farming that is going on in Minnesota, you want to get to Common Ground Minnesota on Facebook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. We're really happy oh. to have you guys on the other end of the microphone. I mean, I think it's like you and I both were sad that we couldn't be on the show last weekend, even though I don't know. I don't know how we would have talked about this last weekend, quite honestly. I don't either. Because it's a lot. And it was forming and it was just, yeah. It was still, it was the middle of it. Yeah. It was the middle of it. And so I feel like one of the things that was really important to me was to really sort of sit in a lot of it and and listen to people and watch what was going on. Um, I will tell you that I have not come into the city because of it for the last two weeks. And it was because, first of all, um, I, I, I was, I've been working through my computer and writing and reporting and doing everything I could. Well, that's the weird layer to it. all of this, right, is... So you have this uh, situation of protesting and riots, mm-hmm. but then you have this COVID situation that is still happening. And the focus of your brain and what you can concentrate on and give energy to and like restaurants opening and the anger about not being open and the patio situation and only, uh, you know, 50 people on a patio like that was taking all the energy and COVID and the anxiety and the stress. And and then like this whole other thing just came in and. It was just so much. Yeah. So much. But it was, to me, you know, speaking about not coming into the city was because I also, besides doing the work that I had to do, I also respected the fact that I didn't want to just drive around and look at stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that the tourists, the the tragedy tourists, I feel like I don't understand. I understand it. And I do think that there's a piece of this of like, you need to go to your city. If you're, if you're in Apple Valley, if you're in Woodbury, if you're in Orono, and you're watching your city burn, but you're watching it from afar, there is a piece of you that needs to make sure that it's real. You know, you need to sort of, because it is still your city. Like, Minneapolis is my city, and I work in it, and mm-hmm. I'm a part of it, and I affect it, and I write about it, but I don't live in it. But that didn't mean that I didn't, I didn't think it was, you know, I shouldn't be and be there and be a part of it. Um, and as far as, like, you know, donating and doing the cleanup crews and all this other stuff and having... So many people show up and and be wonderful and help things. And I thought this was a great thing, Um, but I was still working. I didn't I haven't had a day off in two weeks, basically, you know, as we're trying to repackage, quite honestly, our magazine to reflect, you know, (laughs) the second time. I was thinking about you guys because people (laughs) you put your magazine to bed far before you actually send it to the printer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a month, you know what I mean? And it's supposed to be it takes a month to kind of like get it to the printer and then get it distributed. 
Um, so yeah, like basically, you know, when COVID hit, we ripped the magazine up and had to redo the May issue, which was, we turned it into the social distancing issue, the best of. And so then July, June, we were like right now on newsstands, it's the best of summer. It's how to save summer, which is like, you can still have summer. It's good. And then July is, uh, our normal, you know, it's normally our top docs, but like, how do you put out a top docs issue? And we still are going to be a top, top docs. doctors, top doctors. We're still going to have that. But, you know, how do you as a city magazine not reflect what just happened in your city that is now a worldwide movement? Well, people in London and Amsterdam and Paris are saying George Floyd. And that's a man who is from our city. How is a city magazine? Do you not reflect something about that? And all 50 states have had all protests 50 states. and protests have expanded from just the Twin Cities up in Ely. Up in Hibbing. Oh, small towns all across the country. Not even just ours. But the thing is, so as a city magazine, we have to, you know, and and so then we have have had to punt again and then turn and, you know, rip something up and throw it away and start over. And we're doing that. And that's really good. But... But I, what I wanted to say is I finally did come downtown yesterday. So, and I wanted to make sure that I brought my giant baby because he is someone who is growing up in a lily white suburb, to be quite honest with you. And I thought, you know, and he's a very in tune child. He's mm-hmm. not, you know, in a, in a sea of Republicans out in the, uh, in the Orono <laughs> area. Jake is the one wearing the feminist t-shirt. So let's be clear. <laughs> he is my baby. But he is, uh, but he has his own, you know, he posts what he wants to do. He has his own belief systems and he's, you know, he educates me on some stuff all the time. Um, but we went down to 38th and Chicago and I wanted to say that it was important for me to have him see this, you know, and to talk about it and to talk about how, uh, so the best part is, so we parked far away and we walked up and I was looking for our friend Jametta and I couldn't find her, but um, we're, there's people just, everybody is grilling out and having food and they've got smokers running and there's cooking and there's a huge, you know, at the, in the, in the intersection, there's a giant memorial and then all around cup foods, there's these beautiful artwork pieces and a memorial and there's stages and people are, are chanting and they're singing and they're talking and discussing. And the feeling is amazing. And I feel like it's, it's, and it's not like happy, but it's real, you know, and it's something that was for that moment, I think super important to be a part of physically because seeing it is different than feeling it. And there was, it was the air. It was the, the people who bumped into each other. It's like, Oh, sorry, man. Sorry, man. You know, there was zero, there was zero attitude toward anything. And I, I just tell you that we walked around and we saw stuff and we didn't do selfies because I got to tell you, I, Take all the pictures you want to record it, but when you put yourself in it, you're making yourself a tourist of it in my mind. These are just my feelings. Um, so we didn't do that, but we we did we did stand and we listened and we chanted and everything else. And as we were walking away, you know, we walked out. Um, he said, Jake said, I said, so I thought that was really important to go see. And he goes, I did too. He goes, it was real life. And he's like, sometimes out where we live, it's not real life. And I thought that was kind of important to understand that there is more than what is your lane and your lens. I felt similar to that when I guess we went down Thursday, Thursday morning, Kurt got and I got on his scooter and we wanted to see um, the midway area of St. Paul. And then we crossed over into Minneapolis and I got so choked up when I saw all the people in both cities 
with shovels and face masks and trash cans yeah. and brooms. Yeah. Just regular people, regular young people, old people, all the people trying to clean up their neighborhoods, trying to sweep up the glass. Uh, people paint repainting their businesses. Some of them had had graffiti on them. That part was what choked me up outside of obviously the horror of the murder that happened, but right. how quickly the city comes together because I saw a side of Minneapolis, St. Paul here that I knew existed in the back of my mind, but what I saw both grotesque and also glorifying like there, it was both sides of it in such extremes. Yeah. It, it just was so moving to see the helpers. Yeah. Just the helpers come out. And then, you know, I lived at 2639 Third Avenue South, which is close to that um, Lake in Chicago area. Kurt and I lived there. That was our first apartment. And, you know, getting to food at that time was difficult because we didn't have like a Cub Foods. There wasn't a grocery store. I also had a business right on the edge of North Minneapolis. And, you know, it wasn't like we could just pick up food on the way home because the closest grocery store at that point was uh, Broadway, was the quarry. Broadway Cub Foods wasn't open yet. So the idea of food deserts was real then. And then it had sort of been better, right? Because Aldi had opened and Mm -hmm. the Cub Foods in North opened and Target opened. And it felt like it was getting better. Well, now, you know, between pharmacy and actual food grocery, a lot of these communities have to drive quite a ways to be able to get their needs met. And that concerned me right away. So the amount of food that was pouring in. And of course, like my sister was like, what you noticed about all of this, Stephanie, is the food. I was like, yeah, because that's where the community starts. That's where it all is. That's where everything, that's where it all starts. You're absolutely right. And it's where it's the the most essential need of all things. The thing you do every day. And the thing that, like, it's also a community. It yeah, brings people it, together. It defines your culture in a lot of ways. And it defines your choices in it. And your the availabilities that you have are all part and sewn up in that. And you're right. And it was, and I will say, and it also shows that that's how our suburbs needed to show their love. They came with thousands and thousands of bags of groceries because they didn't know what else to say. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Um, this is a great Saturday. I'm going to give you the weather report. Dang, it's nice out. It's just so it's nice. Glorious. It's just a good It was good glorious day. yesterday. Oh, yesterday was prime. Top 10. Top 10. Oh, a little breezy, a little cool, a little hot. Loved it. Loved I would it. just like to point out, because I always point out when you forget to bring me things. Yeah. You didn't forget. I you did brought it. me a rhubarb bouquet. I did. That I'm going to post in my story that is like amazing. I cannot wait to make syrup for us because my rhubarb up in Ely it's only like four inches tall, so I didn't get to harvest it. Kurt's up there right now, so he'll bring it home for me. But yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, rhubarb, where are you? My garden, Stephanie. Oh, yeah. I'll post some more pictures today. I took a video. I have a bunch of pictures, but I've. It's just felt so uh, on social media to be like, hey, and now I'm growing food, right? So right, no, that was a, that was a struggle. Actually, that was a whole struggle about the restaurant thing because, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. But you know, the idea that you know people in the suburbs. Let me be clear: on June one, they opened their patios, and yeah. everybody in the city was like in turmoil and didn't know and didn't. They were boarding up. They were like, I can't even. I can't open a patio. I can't even open my door. You know, and so it became this very strange place of like, well, how do I? 
How do I do that? How do and I people talk were about like, that? Did you know that like so and so's patio's open? I was like, um, great patio. Uh, sorry, can't really get there right now. Right, it or, was a weird dichotomy. And they and a lot of people were asking me for like, where's your patio your list? list? And I was like. Oh my God, I'm going to put that list where the sun don't shine. Like I can't like, and also the idea that creating a list of patios, first of all, is a huge endeavor to do it right. And then second of all is it was changing at the, like daily. Yeah. It was, because because people were open, like, oh, are you the, not going to open? Yeah. And is it worth opening for 50 people that you can only sit six feet apart? Most yeah. patios aren't that big. Yeah. But I mean, because of the, you know, the spread of the unrest too, it was like, they didn't know. Suburbs were like, I don't know if I should, you know, I should, I don't know. And so, and then trucks, like, and then the, trucks. the big thing on my neighborhood app was, has everyone noticed that like your deliveries are just getting canceled? Yeah. A lot of people were having problems. In fact, sourcing things. The one I did go to, I did check in at the grocery table, which is in Wyzetta, which has just opened. It's uh, Craig Johnson is the chef. He used to be Prairie Dogs, if you remember. Oh, and yeah. is that who Lindsay hired to run that? Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. And uh, so really great little place. It's sort of a pop in and, you know, it's a, you know, they have pizzas, they have sandwiches you can order. They've got baked goods and coffee. It's a, it's like a grab and go, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but they were, uh, they were, and he had said to me that it, it was like, oh, it was weird. All of a sudden, I couldn't get a delivery. You had to put an order in by, you know, you couldn't get a delivery after six. And so if you missed your window, there there was no trucks. And that was that was the thing that was happening. So people were like, maybe we'll wait a week. Yeah, because nobody knew if they could literally get the food. Right. So, but there, there were people on patios. The very first, June 1st, I went to the grocery store, actually, and I drove by. I was in Navarre, which is a cute, you know, little place over in the Lake Minnetonka area. And there was, there's a place out there called the Narrows Saloon. And Oh, I like the Narrows. I love the Narrows. And they have a back patio that they have, like, extended into their parking lot a little bit. And they had four tables, and they were sat, and people were in masks. And I thought, okay. There were a lot of people at Mancini's outside on were that there? patio. Yep. Whole mm-hmm. breakfast bar was crowded. Not like, cr- I shouldn't say crowded, because yeah. that's probably a bad it was moniker full. to you say. Can say. It was full. full. All of the tables that they had set up that yeah. were socially distant were full. And I was glad to see that because they have fed so many people yeah. during the coronavirus with tons of free food. I was glad to see that the neighborhood and whoever came out was did supporting they, them. Did they make that street work the way that they need to? Because I know that there was talk about no, cordoning off the that street. No, the street is not closed, but they have really expanded kind of into the patio space around them. Yeah. And, and to be clear, the governor did send out an executive order saying that, um, you know, that, that he was allowing people to go into other spaces that, and I know that, I don't know if it supersedes the city. I know the cities have to deal with it, but just saying that he was, he was saying, you know, spread out, make sure that you're like, use whatever space you need to use. As long as people can get by, that's all that matters. Have you heard about, I think it's the Bakken museum that is putting a call out saying we have all of this green space. We want a restaurant to come out here and feel free to set up. They're looking for someone. So if you're a food truck or someone that can do food, connect with the Bakken. I saw that tweet yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, just as far as mobile and like setting up a place. Very much so, but not undoable. I mean, if you're a food truck and you can park there for a month. and Yeah. Um, and that's, and so then uh, the funny thing is, is that I was sort of resigned to the fact that I was going to get some sort of a patio list going on Monday. 
and that I was going to spend the weekend kind of pulling it together. And then the coach pulled an audible on me. (laughs) Let's talk about that. The coach, Coach Coach, Walls. Coach Walls steps in and says, we're going to switch up the play. So yesterday, just I started getting texts early in the morning being like, there's going to be some news out of the, you know, the governor today. And I was like, more news. Great. I thought today was going to be a slow day. No. Uh, and so what happened is, is that he has come forth and said, let's do it. Let's start next Wednesday, June 10th. I believe it is. Uh, you can start doing 50% indoors as well. So here I was going to do this whole thing about like, how do you, you know, go inside to go to the bathroom and how do you deal with all the stuff? That's how we're going to deal with it. So he's, we've opened a 50% capacity inside and outside still. Um, you still have to maintain your six foot distance. That is the superseding rule of all things. So can we identify what that means in particular? Because it didn't occur to me until you said it. So if you have a 50% capacity of X, Y, Z, but you still have to create six feet of social distance, it's not like the number is just 250 in your place. No, no. And this is what I tweeted out that and it got, I put 250 outside, 250 inside. Those are the max. Like that's the max. But if you're hyacinth... Oh, God. Right. I mean, but the point is, is that it has to, the social distancing supersedes everything. You need to have a six foot, you know, thing. And I will say that is a thing that is um, uh, it's harder than you think, you know, to sort of because also they were doing a lot of restaurants. I saw were putting their tables at six feet, but then they weren't accounting for the chairs that were sitting back to back. And I'm like, well, those people are two feet apart. Yeah. And it's like your table is six feet, but the actual people are two feet apart when they're sitting at the table. So. People are figuring this out. Remember this. Um, But it is like if there was, you know, if there was like a 50 percent capacity puts you at 100 people. I mean, a 200 person seating area is pretty big. So even if at 100, you know, those are and also still tables of four or six at the max. Um, And so it's still going to be hard to figure. So don't go thinking that this is going to be like, oh, sweet, 250. We can all go in. Just remember that. Also, patios are still at 50% max. There's no longer a 50, you know, kind of uh, cap on that. So places like um, Lord Fletcher's, which has always been, you know, and Surly, which are the two that I always think of because they have so much space. But Surly's space isn't seated space. They can make it seated space. Yeah, they'll have to. Yeah. So that is a so that is the big thing. Um, the mask thing is they really want you to wear masks, um, and you know the servers will all be wearing masks. All the people who are working will be wearing masks. Um, and here's the reservation thing. Let's talk about that because that is a big thing. A lot of people are very confused about that. Um, they do want you. They and Coach said like reservations will continue. And what that really is, it's contact tracing. It's not about lines. Or I know a lot of people were thinking that oh they don't want big lines forming. They don't want that for sure. And that's up to the restaurant to control. But what this is is uh, about getting your name and your number in case there is an outbreak, so that they can track it. So, for instance, at Grocer's Table in Wayzata, um, I walked up and I said, I'm just coming. There's a host standing at the door and she's standing there. And I said, hey, I just I'm coming in to get a sandwich. And she's like, OK. And I said, what's your system? And she said, well, if you want one of the patio tables, you just have to give me your name and your your phone number, your cell phone number. And so that that is like a reservation for that. So a lot of places who are not typically on like open table or anything else, that's how they're going to handle that now. I have seen a couple places that have a long line of people then waiting for tables. And I think that I would not want that to happen. If I was a restaurant, I would say, you know what? It's going to be an hour for this you know, table before they get up. 
And so you're going to, I can take your name and phone number. You can come back in an hour, but you can't sit here and wait. Yeah. And that's going to be tough too. Cause they don't want to send people away, but you got to send them to their cars or something. Yeah. And, or go on a walk, like walk the neighborhood or something. Um, there are people who are saying that, um, or now that you have their cell phone, because that's also a way to test their cell phone, that that's their real number is to say, we'll call you back in half an hour or something like that. Um, there is a lot of people saying that they are, and I've I've seen a couple places that are instituting time limits on tables. Yeah. You have an hour. And they, they come in and they sit down and the server says, so, you know, here's our menu or here's the abbreviated menu. And we have, you know, you have, we have an hour before we have to kind of move things through. Lots of abbreviated menus. Yes. Too. So I've expect seen, that. I've seen 70 minute turns, 90 minute turns, 45 minute turns, depending on the type of restaurant. Yeah. Um, and here's what I'm going to say, you guys, as far as being diners and good diners out there, I would say as weekly dishers, I think that we can be confident that we're going to do the smart and the right thing, which is we're not going to pull tables together. <laughs> we're probably not. I don't think what we should do is, you know, if you have a group of four and you see some friends who are a group of two, don't pull your tables together. That puts creates havoc for the servers just right now. It's not about what the things that everything that you want as a diner. It's about let's get through the system. Let's make things good. Let's figure this out. Let them figure it out. Um, and don't do special orders other than like dietary things that you might need. Um, and just try to be, you know, a good person to these employees, I think. All right. Yep. Uh, with that note, we're going to come back with the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. If you have questions about what the rules are, if you have comments about areas of donation or need that you want to get out there, you're welcome to do that. If you want to play the pantry game, if you're still at home with cans of corn and you need to know what to do, call us 651-983-4766. We'll take your call live on the air. Okay. If you want to give us a call, here's the number. six. Five one six four one one zero seven one. You know, you see that little number that's on the top of no, no, your microphone. Do you see the one zero seven one on your microphone right there? No, you don't. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you want to call, we'll take your call live on the air. If you want to ask us about your favorite patio, if you want to know what I'm going to make with the rhubarb Stephanie brought me today, the syrup I'm going to make to put in chin. If you want to know, someone t- tweeted me and wanted to know what Denord Spirits, uh, what they sell and what they should buy, the Fitzgerald gin you should buy, and you should buy the Frida coffee liqueur, 651 Seven one because I secretly think I gave out my cell phone number last I, time. And I wasn't listening. I'll be totally honest with <laughs> I you. I think I've done it like three times, which is fine. I'm. <laughs> let's have a conversation, shall we? Because this um, is all about conversation. Let me ask you about some mask questions quickly. Sure. So, okay. So, how I, many I have? A hundred. Where know do I have them mask, in every? You are mask up. Um. Do you? Okay. So I have a friend who has a potential business proposition. Sure. And it's the idea that you have your mask. And then they, they, there's like a little thing that you put in your mask to be like a straw caddy. So that, so like, it's like a hole that you, you punch a hole in your mask and then they, and then this little like thing fits around that hole so that it's like an open and close. So you can drink with your mask. So you, a straw can go into your mask. Fantastic. Are you up for that? Sure. <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> it's an innovation, right? So like. If you're sitting there and you're having a conversation and you're on your patio or you're in your you know favorite restaurant and you're and you want your mask up while you're eating, 
Um, and you can still have like a straw sipping sure. your thing. I'm all for it. Are you really? Here's the other mask innovation I saw that was amazing. Okay. That is a real innovation. Um, so if you're hard of hearing and you lip read. Yeah. It's very hard to do that when someone's wearing a mask on their it's face. It's impossible to do it. So my friend has a daughter who's deaf and my um, daughter and her girlfriend both uh, sign. Yep. And they are making masks that are clear on the mouth part so yeah. that in their family, when they go out and they're wearing masks, that Evie can still see yeah. your lips. I'm wondering about that because there's, I feel like there's stuff out there I mean, with there's, all of the scary stuff that's gone on and people, you know, masking their faces and wearing baseball caps down low and just looking kind of menacing. Like I want a mask where you can see my face and know that I'm smiling at you. And if we can't see people's facial expressions, the whole world looks so scary and just covered up. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, I want face shields. You should, I, want, I was going to say, you should get a shield. Then. I want glasses with a shield. I want people to be able to see your face. And when I walk by and I'm smiling at you and us make eye contact, I can't smize with my eyes enough. Yeah. Um, we do have some calls. I okay. think Maria is on the line. How you doing, Maria? Good. Thank you. I have a question and a comment. Sure. Um, we are actually going to brunch or lunch today at Lakeville Brewing outside. Yay. Um, and they're one of the ones with a time limit. But okay. They have reservations. It should be super easy. Um, and then I also saw that Bad Weather is doing reservations also with a time limit for their patio. I'm going there today. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm going for a walk and have a reservation. I'm so excited to That's have awesome. my hop romancer. Yes, I know, right? Um, and then my question, it's very trivial, but we, my husband and I have been doing a lot of, uh, Stephanie, I think you call them taking walktails. Uh-huh, walktails. And I'm looking for a good glass to use. Like, we like taking wine, and it always ends up getting really warm. Well, we're done. the Yeti. Yeah, honestly, you think about it in terms of using, like, a coffee thermos, because that actually will keep it cold. If it's if it's cold, okay. you know, if it's if it's a colder wine, if it's if you're looking for something that's um, room temperature still, I would I would encourage using like putting starting your wine at a cooler temp than what you're normally used to. If it's a red um, and then putting it into one of the coffee thermoses because they're they they insulate really well. Yeti has yeah. these great wine tumblers. Whatever will keep something hot will keep it cold. Yeah, that's my point. Right. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Have a great day. And they're not cheap, but I'm using my Yeti tall tumbler, which is why I got into trouble when I had the margarita walktail that turned out to be like five drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. There is there is a warning on that. The volume of your walktail should 641-1071. I realized the, the entire drink recipe I made as one drink. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That was a really interesting day. The ABV of your yeah. walktail should not be in ratio direct to the no. miles you walk. And my sister pointing out, like, I think you just had five shots in well, your one cocktail. But we're exercising. That's right. We're walking. <laughs> we were on a two-minute mm-hmm. walk. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question that has come in okay. on the Twitters. The best low-maintenance herb to grow uh chives <laughs> babes True. chives chives will come and they will visit They're and they the will gift never that will keep leave. on giving oh my and god they spread so be a little careful where you put them because if you don't want them to spread i am i'm i am replete with chives um also mint 
Mint is that mint way is as well. like, yep. you can't get rid of it. Well, Creepy yeah. Charlie is a form of mint, you know? So if you look at oh, your yard and you're like, how Charlie. does mint go? Creeping I used Charlie. to have a yard with Creeping Charlie. That was my menace. I don't, it was your nemesis. Yes, that's it. Um, I was digging it, it out constantly. Yeah, I don't, I am, I am replete with it as well. And I sort of have given up the ghost. There's no chance to, I mean, you can tame it, but I can't, I can't spend the time to root that stuff out. That's you know what else is pretty forgiving is oregano. But yeah. I feel like it's kind of hard to use. Time is, ah, oh, I use oregano. Time is and fussy. Listen, no, it's not. I feel like it is. Oh, I, I've had rosemary. Six- forget it. What? Like I can grow rosemary in a season in a pot, but oh. trying to like repot that or bring it in the house, it frizzles up and dries in two seconds. Well, I would say that though rosemary is great because it's a desert. So I mean, like it's a desert weed technically, so it can grow if you don't water it. If that's the thing, like you're not into watering because you forget. Hello. Um, I think that for sure. Parsley is pretty easy too. Cilantro is the worst. Cilantro is the most high maintenance and you have to cut it and you have to do arugula, same kind of way, you know, in that you have to maintain it so that it doesn't overgrow and lose its thing. But yeah, I am a big fan of, and here's like tarragon. One year I grew tarragon and I was like, yeah, tarragon. What the hell am I using tarragon for? You know what I do with it? You dry it and you use it in ranch dressing all season long. But I don't do tear. I don't dry them. That's the thing. I don't, I'm not, I never dry any of my herbs, which is dumb. I dry them. I put them, I cut them up and put them in ice cube trays. I got, I make oils. Yeah, you're, you, <laughs> you know, are, I'm, you are a survivalist at heart. You are 100% this year, always Stephanie. wait. Oh, you talked about that last year. No, you did but now, nothing. okay, because I have eight cabbage plants you love that, that I, I have planted this year. I have turnips this year. I like, um, full, I am making, I'm growing my own dill. I've got different pickles than on last year because my pickles last year were good, but they were soggy. So I'm I am gonna get some fermentation. You need action. to read some books about it. I have a book. You and have I a have book? weights. Okay. And I have a crock. Okay. I am full on. You are gonna in. Is this move gonna be like the you're fermentation be direction? Buried kimchi up at the up at the lake all yes, the time. Yes, pretty much. I'm okay. gonna smell like a fermenting pile of you know what. Great. <laughs> so excited to be sharing this small space with you. <laughs> hey man, you can be the recipient of my ferments. I'm I'm happy to receive your ferments. I'm not making kombucha because I hate it, but everything else. What if you made a good kombucha? I don't know. Is there such a thing? I like kombucha. We have a lot of good stuff coming up in the next hour, you guys. A lot. Stay tuned.